Welcome to Today on Broadway for Monday, October 18th, 2021. I'm Broadway Radio's Matt Tamanini. And I'm arts and culture writer Ashley Steves. Ashley, over the weekend, as always, there was a lot of good stuff in our true, podcast true. feeds. In the regular feed, you got Jan Simpson's latest episode of All the Drama, in which she gave you a history of Frank D. Gilroy's 1965 Pulitzer Prize winner for drama. The subject was roses. This was previously only in our Patreon feed for a week, and it finally hit the regular feed uh, on Saturday. She has said that while the last episode she did was about perhaps the most famous uh, of all Pulitzer Prize winners for drama, Our Town, mm-hmm. this might be the least known. So Probably, if you would yeah. like to round out your Pulitzer Prize winner for drama knowledge, definitely check out that uh, episode in the regular feed. Then on this week on Broadway, uh, it came out a little early. It came out a whole day early yeah. uh, in the Patreon feed where Peter, Michael, and James uh, reviewed Chicken and Biscuits. They talked about Thoughts of a Colored Man, uh, the evolution of Henry Mann at the American Theater Group in New Jersey, and tons of other things. Um, so definitely check that out. Of course, as I mentioned, you can get things way before they hit the regular feed in Patreon. And I did a couple interviews last week that'll be dropping in Patreon yeah, first for the regular feed over the week, uh, over this next week. I will tell you who and what they are about later in the episode. So you yes. definitely want to check that out by heading over to patreon.com slash Broadway Radio. All right, Ashley, we are recording slightly later, but not as late as we have been in recent uh, weeks <laughs> because we had another Broadway opening. Uh, on Sunday night, and that is for the Broadway premiere of Dana H., which had originally appeared off-Broadway at the Vineyard Theater. This is, I guess, technically written by Lucas Hanath, although he didn't really write it. It was molded based off of actual mm-hmm. um, audio interviews done with uh, Steve Cosson from The Civilians. And Lucas Hanath's actual own mother, Dana Higginbotham. And we'll explain what that is here in a second and how this came to be. But the show is directed by Les Waters and is singularly stars Deirdre O'Connell, who plays the aforementioned Dana H. Um, and this was a show that got tremendous reviews off Broadway. Actually, you saw it off Broadway. Yeah. Both of us will see it on Broadway in the coming weeks. Um, but I wanted to start this one out because it is kind of an unusual concept. I wanted to start it out with the first paragraph in Adam Feldman's five out of five star review in Time Out New York. He opens by writing, quote, Lucas Hanate's uncanny and unsettling play Dana H. doesn't channel the dead. It channels the living. Its subject is harrowingly personal. In 1997, when Hanath was in college, his mother, Dana Higginbotham, was beaten and held captive for five months by a violent criminal and white supremacist gang member named Jim. In 2015, Steve Cosson of the docu-theater troupe The Civilians interviewed her about this ordeal over the course of several days. Their conversations formed the basis of Dana H., but instead of editing them into a conventional script, Hanath has kept them in audio form. In the title role, Deirdre O'Connell does not speak a word for 75 minutes, calmly facing us in an armchair She lip syncs to Dana's actual voice. So when we talk about how strange this show and is this a room, which is actually based on real life transcripts as well, Mm -hmm. but is um, dramatized into a script. This is the kind of shit that I want to see coming to Broadway, Ashley, so that more people can see the inventive stuff happening downtown. But we will get to that here in a second. 
So let's go into the New York Times review by Jesse Green, who did make this show a critic's pick. He wrote, quote, call it thriller karaoke, a form in which the story is almost as dangerous as the mode of storytelling. You worry that O'Connell will fall out of sync with the recording, which never stops once the play begins. Gradually, though, as her inerrancy becomes clear, you let go of that concern. He then continues, after productions in Los Angeles and Chicago, I was electrified by the way O'Connell turned herself into a kind of musical instrument, letting the recording of Hickenbotham play her. With her own voice shut off, O'Connell emphasized the other tools at her disposal so that even the smallest shifts of posture and expression became immensely expressive. Those effects have grown more complex in the Broadway production, shifting its weight in the process. More often now, O'Connell seems to work against the apparent veracity of the text, miming miming Higginbotham's odd laughter a little more vividly, underlining moments in which she doubts her memory. Though I never previously questioned any aspect of the story, I now found myself wondering whether a woman so traumatized could be a reliable narrator, and whether a play is true just because its words are. That's fascinating to me, Ashley, because Mm. as somebody who spends my entire waking life deep in the throes of true crime, um, Mm -hmm. on TCO, Jillian and Patrick often talk about reliable narrators and not like somebody is lying. Yeah. Yeah, and it's not about whether somebody is lying. It's that, just like Jesse Green said, like people who are the victims of any kind of trauma, your mind does things to help protect you from um, from that trauma. And even if you believe Correct. that you're 100% Can't telling confirm. the truth, <laughs> right, yeah. So that's a fascinating thing to me. And one of the other reviews, I think it was um, the Theater Lee review, um, talked about how like this very easily could have been turned into like a seven-hour true crime podcast. Sure. But this feels like such, an, uh, such a m- much more creative and effective way to do it. Mm. And I will just say, um, I'll wrap it up by saying, um, Rob, no pun intended, Robert Huffler <laughs> of The Rap ended his review by saying, it is the least likely show ever to make its way uptown, where it is now the best play mm, on Broadway. Interesting. So, so um, you have seen it. I have tickets to yeah. see it next month. Um, you, uh, As we said, you saw it at the Vineyard. You have not seen it on Broadway, so you can't necessarily speak to these right. changes that Jesse Green said. But I know you were enthralled by it when you saw it originally. Yeah, I adored it. And this is probably going to be something... One, this is something I'm going to be really curious to see how it transfers, because... As uh, Robert Hoffler said, this is, this does feel like, along with Is This a Room, like the least likely show that you could ever imagine that would actually come to the Great White Way. I'm fascinated by the fact that this has moved. I'm fascinated by the fact of kind of that expansiveness that it has to kind of um, adapt to for Broadway, but without losing its feel. And this is another one of those shows that's incredibly intimate, but in a very different way um, than Is This a Room was, where, as Grace and I talked about on our patreon episode and our patreon review mm-hmm. um that it's very much like you want to be up close and kind of feel that second by second horror seeing everybody's faces um this was the last show i saw before the pandemic literally okay. the, literally okay. the day before the shutdown on march 11th um so i had like a lot of things in my mind going on obviously i was like didn't know like knew a shutdown was inevitable but didn't know when it was going to happen but i kind of spent like that day debating with myself if this was going to be my last show regardless um for a while just for my own safety just because i was my anxiety was really high um so part of that is just like 
I'm really excited to see the show, obviously, while the pandemic is still going on, but in a very um, different way um, of not that constant terror, necessarily. Um, The other thing of that is when I saw it, despite the fact that I was so anxious and just like my mind was going a million miles a minute, I... <laughs> Deidre O'Connell and the show in general, which, as you mentioned, um, comes from Steve Costin of the civilians who I've talked to before and talking about the late great Michael Friedman, um, which is where he was founding associate artistic or er, founding associate artist of this is very much the civilians alley of this kind of docu theater mm-hmm. direct from the transcripts thing, <laughs> whatever you want to call it, performance piece, really. Um, so you have this transcript in, in this case, you have these exact audio recordings of somebody and you have to take over all of their mannerisms to do that kind of in the same way that is this a room does it that you're kind of, uh, capitalizing on every single crutch word, stutter, laugh, clearing of throat. This is, this is the same kind of theater in that way. But despite the fact that I was like so distracted by the world around me, I completely lost myself in this show. There were, uh, I would say the vast majority of it, certainly at the beginning and certainly at the end, I had gotten to a point where like my brain snapped back and I was like, Oh yeah, she's lip syncing <laughs> to this. <laughs> um, but for most of it, I can say that I was just like, you know, it, I would have to kick myself out back into reality of like, oh, right, she's lip syncing to this. Like she, the embodiment of it, the theatricality so of it. Yeah. yeah. And you don't really know what to expect and you don't expect that level of it before you go in. Like you're like, okay, this will be interesting. This will be, this is someone who's lip syncing to a recording that's already there. But it takes a really specific kind of actor to be able to embody every kind of that and like, this very physical way and this very emotional way as well. And obviously, Deidre O'Connell does that. I thought she was just captivating in every possible way. And that doesn't even begin to describe it. Like it is, it is such a hard thing to be able to wrap your mind around on paper, even looking at the reviews. Uh, it's, it's absolutely just a must see show. Yeah. I cannot wait to see it and, uh, very excited to, uh, to share my thoughts when I yeah. do. And I will probably be doing that on Patreon. Wee, so head over to patreon.com slash Broadway Radio. <laughs> um, as I said, I have I did two really uniquely different but f- equally fascinating interviews last week that will be coming out over the next few days to week. The first one was with the great director Oliver Butler, um, who is currently getting ready to restart uh, his production of Will Eno's Gannett at the Theater for a New Audience in Brooklyn. That'll start performances on October 30th. We talked about that show coming back from the pandemic and recasting the lead in What the Constitution Means to Me for the tour, which he also directed. So that was a great conversation. He we did the we did the interview while he was walking out of rehearsal. So there's some ambient noise <laughs> in that before. one. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fun. Uh, podcast stuff always loves that. It's that kind of real world stuff. Um, the other 
interview was with one of my absolutely absolute favorites, Natalie Walker, yes. who is bringing her coming back to Fifty Four Below with her show Mad Scenes on November Fourteenth. Ashley, I was you, just about to say, I know that date yeah, well. Yeah, because you and I are going to see yes, Natalie Walker's are. Mad Scenes. Incredibly um, exciting. Yeah, so we talked about um, that show. We talked about um, the new Grace McLean uh, musical that she's working on um, that she just did a uh, 29-hour presentation for. And we talked about her uh, real-life and on-stage love affair with one Bonnie Milligan. So um, great conversations with both Oliver and Natalie that will be hitting the Patreon feed first uh, this week. And then we'll be dropping in the regular feed in the subsequent days. So get over to patreon.com slash Radio. All right, Ashley, let's get back into the news by talking about two new musicals in development with some heavy-duty popular music names behind them. First, on Thursday night, Variety reported that a new musical called Invincible will have an industry presentation from November 10th through the 12th at Los Angeles' Bourbon Room. The musical, which is based on Romeo and Juliet, has a score written by IRL husband and wife rockers Pat Benatar and Neil Giraldo. The book is by Bradley Bredeweg and will be directed by Scott Schwartz. Uh, according to the Variety article, quote, the musical follows two star-crossed lovers searching for peace in 21st century Verona as the newly elected chancellor of Paris sets out to destroy the city's progressive resistance movement. I don't know what most of that means. That seems... <laughs> right? I just, I kind of zoned out of it. <laughs> yeah, it <laughs> seems a little bit like word salad after star-crossed yeah, lovers. Yeah. Um, I don't know that we need another musical based on Romeo and Juliet. Obviously, we have West Side Story, which is... Uh, about as perfect as you can get but we also have romeo and bernadette yeah. which has been off broadway and, multiple and times yeah and juliet um both of those are reportedly coming to broadway romeo and mm-hmm. bernadette has already announced quote unquote yeah um and and um and juliet is going to toronto before you know potentially coming yeah. but i'm not I'm, I'm never going to attempt to tell pat benatar what to do yeah but, safe, safe thoughts yeah so, okay, there we go. Right. <laughs> in other musical in the works news, um, I'll Be There, a bio musical about the four tops, is working its way to Broadway. The show will make its world premiere in Detroit, fitting of a Motown show, in the fall of 2022 before planned runs on Broadway and in the West End. The show will be directed by uh, Akamon or A.J. Jones, who is a big-time film and concert choreographer. The show will be co-produced by Duke Fakir, the lone remaining uh, original member of The Four Tops. Um, now, actually, over the summer, Grace and I talked about this show when it was first kind of like floated that this was happening, and we mm-hmm. lamented about it because... The first thing that I hear, or what I think of when I hear the title, I'll Be There, is not the Four Tops. Right. It's the Jackson Five, because they have a song of the same right. name, but it's uh-huh. a very different song. And technically, the Four Tops version is actually called Reach Out, and then parenthetically, I'll Be There. <laughs> See, um, I couldn't even place what song it was in you, my head, because I, I didn't go to Jackson Five. I went to the Spinners with I'll Be Around. Which is an entirely mm. different song as well. <laughs> you, like, know, you, you know, you know the four tops version. I I'm you sure, know it. 
Yeah, yeah, no, if, I know I do, but it's not yeah. clicking in my head at the moment. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. yeah. Okay. So like, yeah, everybody knows that song, but like when I just hear, that's not the name of the song. You yeah. know, it's, it's Reach Out, I'll Be There. When I hear that's why. I'll Be There, I think of the Jackson 5. So from a branding and marketing perspective, I would want to go a different direction. But given the successes <laughs> of Motown and Ain't Too Proud, and I'm assuming MJ will eventually do well too. I was going to say, people are going to show up to that show thinking it's MJ the musical now. right and so there's obviously an audience for motown music based musicals and i i you know i love that music and everybody does but um a little confusing on the title uh, all right let's get into um some news and we're going to start with some actually wonderful news for those of us not in new york because last week the new york theater workshop announced that while their widely praised production of martina mayock's uh, sanctuary city did close as scheduled this past sunday october 17th it will be available to stream from October oh 25th through November 21st. Tickets for the streaming uh, production range from $30 to $50, depending on how quickly or, I guess, how often you want to stream uh, the show. Uh, you best believe, actually, that I've already purchased my ticket. Yeah. Um, a true story. After James saw the show, he immediately texted me and told me how incredible it was oh, and goodness. how he would not be shocked if this has a future life somewhere, either in a bigger off-Broadway run or potentially following in Dana H. and Is This a Room's Footsteps mm. to Broadway. So I am pumped to be able to see this. Yeah, I'm really sad I missed any form of it live and in person as much as I wanted to see this. So I'm thrilled this is getting a streaming production. Absolutely. All right. Also on Friday, we got a little bit of news about the upcoming Broadway production of The Minutes that apparently will be returning to the Broadway um, in the spring of 2022. It was announced that Schitt's Creek star Noah Reed yeah. will be joining the original Broadway cast. Uh, apparently, I correct me if I'm wrong, actually, apparently this role was played by somebody else in the Hugh preview yeah. performances that it did on Broadway. I'm, I'm trying sure, to I'm remember sure something about cannibalism and stalking Alleged and potentially murder. Alleged. Cannibalism right. I don't remember. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, uh, <laughs> Noah Reed is replacing Army Hammer, who originally mm. starred in the show when it began, began performances on Broadway in 2020. He he joins the playwright and co-star Tracy Letts, along with uh, Ian Barford, Blair Brown, Cliff Chamberlain, Kay Todd Freeman, Danny McCarthy, Jesse Mueller, Sally Murphy, Austin Pendleton, and Jeff Still. Uh, yeah, just hilarious. So I am not a, a Shit's Creek person. <laughs> I, I know he I played have... a recurring role named pa yes. uh, a guy named Patrick. 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 Who, Patrick. Who was he? Oh, uh, he was David's boyfriend turned husband. So okay, Dan Levy's character. Um, yeah, I obviously and notoriously am a big shithead. So I'm no, can thrilled by can this. Confirm. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Yeah, so um also so you know, um Noah Reed did uh, a really widely uh, praised production of Hamlet um at the Tarragon Theater, which nice. got tons of great reviews, I think back in twenty. He plays the cabaret MC in an episode of Shit's Creek too. Oh right. So. Yeah, that's the episode and that actually mentions yeah, that's the episode that actually name drops Broadway World, actually. So oh, uh, there that's you go. Right. That's right. There you yeah. go. All right, next up, your Broadway buddy Ben Cameron is back 
to bringing his long-running variety show Broadway Sessions to the Great Lori Beachman Theater starting this Thursday at 10 p.m. The show, which runs every other Thursday, um, is, uh, is, is one of those fun things I always love to do after seeing a show, and it is definitely on my list for November 11th, depending on what I see in the evening before that, if I can make it work. This week, he's going to have a ton of Broadway stars, including Nick Rashad Burroughs and the writer and co-star of Commercial Jingle for Regina Comet, uh, Ben Fankhauser. There will also be an open mic party after all of the performances. We will have more details in the show notes. And finally, in this section, Ashley, something that I know got under your skin last week and made me very, very nervous as I am painstakingly cobbling together my New York trip schedule. And that is a tweet from theater critic Naveen Kumar that read, quote, Every new show on Broadway is at least 20 minutes longer than advertised, then multiple ellipses, truly making up for lost time. Now, Ashley... As you well know, one yes. of the vital aspects of my scheduling spreadsheet is the published running time oh, of each famous. show. Yeah. And if theaters and productions are underselling the runtimes and it makes me late for the next show on my schedule, I'm going to be very, very upset. Yeah. I complained about this um, on the Patreon extended episode that Grace and I did and talking about um, Thoughts of a Colored Man. And I think that was the show that had gone longer. Um, but in general, t- there's been several shows where that's been the case, chicken and waffles, uh, a few others at this point. Um, and as I said on that, like I'm someone that has chronic pain that's aggravated by sitting. And I know like there are some days that I'm going to be able to watch a show that's this long versus a show that's this long. And that's the, what I'm going to book that day. Um, don't do this. Stop doing this. I hate it. I absolutely hate it. And I've gotten to the point where like the pandemic has ruined me and I have like no, you know, <laughs> no anythings to give anymore. I will just leave your show. Oh, I don't care if, if it is longer and I'm having a bad body day or I've got another thing that I've got to go to. Because a lot of times that's the case. Like if I'm going to a matinee, I've got something after um, either this show yeah. or something else. Like I'm just going to leave. Stop doing this to people because a lot of people have jobs after. Cool. A lot of people have problems with, with, with chronic pain. A lot of people are older. Um, and they've got, you know, chronic pain and illness and everything that they have to plan for. Like, it's it's an accessibility nightmare, and it becomes a scheduling nightmare, too. Like, it's so inconsiderate. Yeah. I, I Now I feel bad for talking about it, just ruining my schedule. You're talking about chronic pain and stuff. So. <laughs> well, it's, again, scheduling, too. Like, I was talking to Christian Lewis about it, and they said that their boyfriend uh, had to go to work right after that. It was, like, yeah, so, like very yeah. late into their shift. So it's, like, it, whether it's a scheduling thing or a pain thing or any other thing, like, just don't do it. It's yeah. there's, there's no benefit to it. Yeah. All right. Um, after that, let's talk about some uh, recommendations. One of them feel good. One of them not so much. I'm not going to get into a lot of this because we are running long um, already. But uh, I highly recommend that you head over to the New York Times and read the great Teresa Rebeck's um, opinion guest essay entitled A Racial yeah. Reckoning is Underway in Theater. Where is the gender reckoning? To be very clear, she is not saying that you can only have one at a time. Um, she very much uh, applauds everything that's happening with this racial reckoning, but also draws a lot of very important things uh, to the surface about what is not happening when it comes to specifically female playwrights, of mm-hmm. which she is one of the best. 
Um, and, uh, as you've probably seen on social media, there was someone, uh, I think I'm assuming she did. She published an email that she had from clearly a middle-aged uh, white man. Yeah, I saw um, so, uh, read that essay. I, I think I've been fairly open about my adoration for Teresa Rebeck. Um, I think she's mm-hmm. a, a brilliant playwright. You and I both adored Seared oh my God. Uh, at MCC a few years it. ago. I'm yeah, still me too. about it. Yeah, so we love that. Um, but then a true, legit feel-good recommendation um, currently running through November 7th at the Paper Mill Playhouse is Jason Robert Brown's Songs for a New World yes. with just a, an absurdly great cast of Roman Banks, Carolee Carmelo, Andrew Cober, and Mia Pinero. Um, I am unfortunately not going to be able to make it to this, although I will be there on the 7th, but it just doesn't Doing line up best. with... Yeah, but um, they are his highlights from that show, and um, it's it just so good. I mean, anything Carolee Carmelo does, oh anything – I love Andrew Cobra. I don't know why Andrew Cobra is not a bigger star. Seriously. Um, but uh, – and Roman Banks from Dear Evan Hansen, and mm-hmm. uh, Mia Panera was in this most recent revival of West Side Story. So yeah. check out those highlights. All right, everybody, that's all that we have for today. Thanks for listening to Today on Broadway. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Broadway Radio. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at BWW Matt. Ashley, where can people find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at No, this is Ashley. All right, everybody, don't forget to head over to patreon.com slash Broadway Radio so you can hear my interviews with Oliver Butler and Natalie Walker before they hit the regular feed. You do not want to miss those. They are really, really fun conversations. Uh, have a great Monday, everybody, and uh, I guess we will be back to talk to you tomorrow. Mm-hmm.